You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Parks. Did you get a chance to, to check out that Buffalo game on Monday night? I did. I watched it until it started getting ugly, and then I just uh, – it was hard to watch Cam play. He's yeah. 31 years old, but he looks like he's uh, 51. You know, he yeah. just – he doesn't move well for an athlete. He just doesn't – he scrambled and had a guy wide open and threw it into the ground. Um, he just doesn't look like any semblance of an NFL quarterback anymore. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know actually- why. He, he, I don't know why either, on the balance. I, he should be – much better because I know they're great coaches there and they do a great job preparing him. I, I don't know that he's was ready for the volume. Now, of course he doesn't have receivers and the tight end and all those other things, but yeah, he just doesn't function 30 yards for the evening. You know, passing. I don't know about that. It's it, Mike. It's sad actually. Cause uh, you know, a physical a talent point. like that. And if yeah. he, if it's just, in, and I go back to something you said, um, I don't know, a month ago, it's a shame that he couldn't have started off there, okay? Because yeah. if he started off in a better place where he had more quarterback direction and more quarterback help, I mean, that's clearly there's been a, a void there. There's something was missed there. I think, Ron, and this isn't to negate the guys that had him yeah, when he came into the you. league or any of those things, but for such a talented guy as he is, and he was so much about bling when he came in because he had all yeah. that success real early. And yeah. that's just not the real world. You know, it's a lunch pail league. And if you don't bring your yeah. lunch pail every day and work at it, you're just not going to last very long. And I, and it's not, not fair for me to say that because I don't know that he didn't work at it. But when we did some of his games, we went to some of the practices, um, he just – he was not impressive in, what, in how he approached practice at all. You know, that's a great point. It's a lunch pail league. I, I found that out early in my career. And I, you know, when I got to the NFL, I, I thought it was about the bling and the money and all the stuff, you know, and running out underneath the goalposts and all that. And, and, and that's, that's there, but it is a lunch pail league and you got to learn to go to work and work hard. As people would say, you got to work hard when no one's watching or when you don't think anyone's watching that that's, that's the difference there. It is, and then the carrot that you're chasing is, is either the social media and recognition, or just the love of the game. Yeah, you know that's that's got to be formal. You got to really love what you do, and it's work in any job. But you know, yeah. to be really good at what you do in any job, you got to love what you do. And you know, if it gets moved around to be second or third place, you're just not going to last very long. I don't care how talented you are, you know. Yeah. And and my frame of reference has been, and and like yourself. You were raised in football. You love the game. And uh, Isaac and Kurt and Mark and John Kitna and, you know, uh, all those guys that were good players over the years that I was able to witness, you know, they had such great passion for playing the game. Yeah. I told you that story about Pat Carter and, and, and uh, Isaac when Isaac was a rookie. They're stretching, and I was listening to what they were talking about. They were just – I was just kind of – getting ready to talk to Isaac because I was talking, I was coaching the receivers in those days. And 
they were quizzing each other on NFL trivia. <laughs> right, who won the NFL in 1954? Who did, who was the MVP? You know, all that stuff. And, really? And, and they, and they, and they, and they, and they knew, knew this. Yeah. They knew it because it, they loved the game. They, they were just immersed in, in the history of it. And oh, I, I don't know, know if you could, I, I, if you ask some of these young kids today, uh, some, you know, questions about Joe Namath, for instance, I don't know if they even know who he is. No. You know, no, they, no, so it, right. it's tragic in some respect, but I think that's what social media has done to it. You know, the, the yeah. I think the media, it gets out there and portrays a different image of what really football should be, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, where I learned how to have that work, that lunch pail work ethic in the NFL was from offensive linemen. Because yes. if you watch yes. the offensive linemen, that was the first group of people I saw that were methodical about their job. You know, not that other guys in other positions weren't. No, there, there were guys, you know, guys like Steve Freeman. I don't know if you remember Steve Freeman. Steve Freeman became a referee and an official in the NFL. Steve and I were up in Buffalo. He was a safety, uh, you know, a country boy out of Mississippi. But man, let me tell you, Mike, he'd come in, he'd, he'd, he'd sit down there on, on his stool, get, get dressed, get ready to go to practice. He wouldn't say a word, but he'd have get a ready. notebook. He'd have the pen. He'd be in that meeting room 10 minutes before the meeting started like this. Stoic. And I, and I, you know, at first it was funny, but then I said, wait a minute. Now he's been in the league like 13 years. He's doing something right. And so I'd watch him. I'd watch the way the offensive line would come in because they're always in the weight room. And I happen to love the weight room. I like the lift. You know, so I'd be in there too. But they were just like clockwork. Bam here. Bam there. They'd come in with the same sandwich and same cup of coffee every single day at the same time. they move like in a herd, like a herd of buffalo. They'd move. Right. But, but, but there was something to that. There was something to that. You know, Ron, it's a good point because Jeff Scanini, who played 20 years in the league as a defensive lineman, yeah. he, he uh, was there at the door when the equipment guys came in at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning was to he go really? in and prepare. He had a cup of coffee, yeah. and, and he would get himself ready. That's why he lasts so long. He just waits every day. He went and looked at tape before the meetings. Uh, the offensive lineman uh, and people, this is a little bit of trivia people kind of uh, enjoy, I think. On every team I've ever been on as a football coach in the NFL, on game day, the most offensive linemen don't take the team bus to the stadium. You know how there's one, two, That's and three. Right. They, they leave early, then their second bus leaves, and then a third bus leaves late, and you can That's take right. one of the three buses. They all take a cab early. So if, if kickoff is at 1 o'clock, they're at the stadium by 8 o'clock, you know, and they're going over their notes, and, and they're stretching and getting ready, and they're quizzing each other. They're walking through stuff with each other, and – they're just getting ready. That's that's what offensive linemen do, you know. And like you said, those are the true lunch pail guys. And and when you take that approach to it, and the really great players that I've been around, no matter what position, that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. You remember Joe Devlin? Joe yes, Devlin. I do. Yeah, yeah. Big I Joe do. Devlin. Up. He was up in Buffalo there when I got drafted in '85. He was in the league a long time, and he was one of those guys. And that that goes back to our point we talked about a couple of weeks ago in, in in locker room enforcement. The coach is responsible for the team through the media's eyes and through the organization's eyes, but there's a responsibility that the players take in that locker room. And he was one of those guys. If you screwed up, it was one thing to have to pay a fine, Mike, but I didn't want to have to face Joe Devlin. And I told you that one day they, they locked that door 
and we had a players only kind of meeting and didn't have a lot of those, but we had him and they called out Jim Kelly. And man, that was the first time I was scared in a football environment of my teammates. Yeah. Because that's how strong the leadership was and, and, and the, the enforcement of leadership. And here's what we do. You're going to do it or you answer to us. And that was you know, different than answering point, financially. And I think that's one of the things today that's maybe missing to some extent, maybe not in the really good teams. But I always felt like if you had a, a problem with somebody on a team that was acting out or was off the field doing something maybe you shouldn't do, for me to handle it as a head coach was a last step before the door. Yeah. The locker room handled it. It's just like dancing on somebody's logo out there. Right. I can promise right. you Tomlin didn't handle that. I can promise you those guys in the locker room handled it. Big Ben or somebody say, hey, you know, this is a poor reflection on the rest of us. That's right. You're that's one right. of us, yeah. you know, and, and that's the way to handle it. And that's yeah. why the, having such a strong locker room, Tony LaRusso, when he was in St. Louis, and I used to talk about that. And he asked me what I thought the most important element of the team was. I just said to have a strong locker room, regardless of the talent, to having the right leadership in there where you don't, you know, these guys take care of that stuff. And, and it's funny because he, he felt like that was by far the key ingredient to a championship team, having the right guys in the locker room. Yeah, without question, without question. But anyway, we, we could tell those stories all day long. There's some good ones, but that's that's a key point. So, Mike, all of a sudden now, this, uh, this playoffs picture is starting to get really clear. Buffalo has, 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 has a tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. So, okay, so now those two, you know, 11 and three. Buffalo's 11 and three, I guess with the win. Yeah, eleven and three with the win. Now twelve and three. So, you know, things are starting to get tight in in the divisions. Um, how do you see the AFC shaking down? Because everybody's good in the AFC. A lot of are. a lot of heavy records. A lot of a lot of good teams. Uh, what do you think? Where do you think things are going? Well, I I just think we said, you know, after that uh, last play of the game touchdown, Arizona against Buffalo. They've just been a different team. Yeah. We remember we talked yeah. about that. Yeah, exactly. Now they were playing good. They were really good up to, but since that time, they just they separated themselves from the rest of the league. You know, Ron, I I, I think down deep it's going to be Green Bay and Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I really do. And Green Bay right now is starting to separate themselves. But in the AFC, it'll be a slug, it'll be a punch out, just trying to get in there. But I just think right now, uh, I think out, it's yeah. I, I really do think yeah. that uh, Buffalo will beat Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. They they look like they're the best team in the in the AFC, don't they? I think they look like the best team in the league. <sighs> yeah, I think they win it. I really do. I think Buffalo I, wins the Super Bowl. I really do. But I you know, see, we yeah. kind of talked about that a month ago or so. Even at the beginning no. of the season. Right. They're, they're, look at them on special teams, on defense. Those corners are starting to really play again. And yeah, uh, the quarterback is just stupid right now, the way he's playing. They're running the ball. I've experienced that wave of emotion that they're going through with that town when we're in St. Louis with that big, yeah. long, dry spell, right? Yeah. And that yeah. that is so infectious to those players and coaches. Yeah. They're living under a star right now. You know, they really are. And it's unique in this league when that happens. It doesn't happen very often. But I really think that they're kind of smitten right now. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him win at all, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, my sons were running around here and said, Dad, you gotta you gotta tweet the the Bills Mafia. I said, What? I said, yeah, yeah, all your, your former teammates are tweeting, man. They're putting stuff out. You gotta do something. The mafia will go crazy. I'm like, I don't want the mafia going crazy on me about anything. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, see, see, that's the difference, though, Ron, right there. Like kids today and from your era, right? You don't want to tweet about it. You know, it's just, that's just different. It's just the way they, they, things are. It's just so yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, like clarify that. Oh, the Bills Mafia. Okay. The Buffalo. Okay. Got it. I'm getting ready to say, man, when I, I hear Mafia coming after me, I'm like, whoa. Okay. So, but, I, got okay, back, so I, I have to backtrack here a second. Yeah. Because I let this go by. And I just can't let it go by anymore. I just can't let this go by. Okay. That comment you made about the offensive lineman being in there early and lifting weights, and that's what you like to do too? Yeah. I'm looking at that picture. I'm looking at those traps and the – I don't know, Ron. Oh, stop. I don't know. (laughs) I think the net result of that thing might have been a little bit different. I don't know. I, I think I was lifted on the wrong machines, man. Yeah, right. You, you had know. those little dumbbells about that big. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I got I got a big shirt on, man. That's that's that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, hey, but, but, but you're, hey, you know on. what though? About going to the the stadium early, those guys used to get in the car, get in the cab. I'd be coming in for uh, you know going down to pregame breakfast or whatever. They'd be in the cab going to the oh, stadium yeah. at like yeah. nine thirty, games yeah. at one. And they just sit around, drink their coffee, read the paper, lay up in the in the locker room. You know, and this would be in a visiting locker room. You know, this would be on a, a away trip. My yeah. second year in the league, I had the opportunity to coach the offensive line. Our offensive line coach went down with throat cancer for yeah. Chuck Knox, who is an offensive line coach. Yeah. Right. So here yeah. I'm a quarterback coach coaching the tight ends. And he walked in my office. Now this is two days before camp started. And he said, Mike, you're gonna coach the offensive line. I said, excuse me, you have the – Jim is out. You've got the line. And he That's walked out. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> two, days, two days before the season starts, Cap, you know. And my experience with that offensive line with Jackie and those guys, it's, it's the most fun I've ever had in coaching. It really is. Yeah. Their do-gooders is, is too, uh, too bad of a term, but that's kind of they're – just, they're just so invested in what they do and just love it, and they can't get enough of it. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's, that's true. No, it's – a. They're a unique bunch of guys, and you definitely want them on your side. You don't want those no boys mad your buddy. Ask Jackie. Said. You know what Jackie said? You you walk in oh. any locker room, oh. and the image, if the offensive linemen are the toughest guys in the team, then you got a championship team. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And if they're not, mm, you I've never problem. seen one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Up in, even up in Green yeah. Bay, it was the same thing. Yep. Now, we had a group of guys, and it was uh, – they, they, were, they, were, they were very – authoritative let's say and, and you and you know something i had no problem with that i know because i like that structure okay you're this okay you're leading this you're part of the, okay cool cool yeah so but anyway and well, nfc what do you what do you think of nfc now i <laughs> the rams whew, wow they have created a nice little mess for themselves uh, jared goff breaks his thumb up there and, you know, Mike, the whole time I'm watching this game and I'm watching this slowly unfold, and I think it started – the problem started for the Rams when Seattle figured out how to slam or at least slow down their uh, bootleg, okay? And they were able to get pressure on that backside, and now Goff couldn't sit and wait for his five crossers to come across. It. And then they started hitting him, and then the thumb incident happened. Blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it ended up being an, an, another typical Rams game on the road against a good opponent. And I haven't seen them beat anybody good on the road this year. Okay. But that's another pet peeve of mine. So 
Now, what do you do quarterback-wise? He had, Goff has surgery. Okay, yeah. Surgery on the thumb two days ago. Yeah. Okay, or, or yesterday. So now what do you do? They're going to go with this kid, Wolford, who's a uh, college free agent uh, with the Jets from 2018. He uh, played in one preseason game last year. He's got to now step in and win a game for these guys to go to the playoffs. You know, what they asked the quarterback to do in the passing game isn't very complicated. And I don't mean that as a, as a slam against Sean or anything like that. But they, they do what they do, and they don't really change much. You know, one of the things that Seattle did to them is they have those real deep crossers, you know what I mean? And they just switched it off and just got deep and caught them as they came across. They didn't mm-hmm. chase them in their man coverage. They, just, they switched things off. Picked it up. Yeah. And they picked it up, and, and yeah. nobody had done that to him. And he had no place to go with the ball. Number one on those deals was generally always open. And he was able to throw that. And now that deep down the field game that they like so much off of play action, when that's gone, then that's a big part of what they do in terms of getting the chains to move. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then it puts pressure on the running game. And he is not. He's never been a quick stroke guy. And that's just something that Sean doesn't do. The quick game is just something. And I heard Troy say something about it, you know, before the – game that they need to do it's just not what he does i, I watch him try and throw a quick uh hitch or something and t- it takes so long for it to come off his hand say and, so yeah he's not a quick release guy no no he's not he's a big stroke guy and he, de- yeah. he doesn't he's not comfortable with it because they first of all they just don't do much of it you yeah. know what i mean they just really don't do much of it so that being said i think that um this new kid uh, I, I wolford i think yeah. he's probably um better off in terms of the quick game I, and I think maybe they'll spread some things, but he's been there for a while. So he knows the offense. It's just a question of handling the pressure now. Yeah. Now, how far can they go with him? You know, who knows? Yeah. But, they, you and, know, and I'll it, tell you what, defense didn't show up much either in that game. Yeah. yeah for the Rams. And I tell you, that if the player of the week to me was a defense for Seattle, I, that's the best they've played all year. That's the best that linebacker crew, they fit to run better than they've ever done before. Right, you know, and and right. they had a nice plan on the edges. People now are are letting the end collapse down on those bootlegs and scrape and hold the linebacker on the on backside, and then bring them upfield into the face of the quarterback when he tries to boot out. Yeah. And so they the squeeze by the end takes away the cutback, and then they hang that linebacker so he sees the ball handed off and bring him late up to the quarterback, and and it shocks him. They can't now. He's definitely you got to pull him up. You can't let him out past the tackle box. Right. And because that gives everybody time, you know, and, and they've people are doing that to him now. So they've kind of figured out all those squeeze down sets, like you've been saying all year long. Mm-hmm. They just got to get out of all that stuff. They can't <clears throat> they can't do yeah. just that. They got to do some other things, I think. No, that's right. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I and I and they made a change at corner. The Dunbar kid was hurt. And then they, they so he's he's out. They moved him out. And they had another corner in there. And they're better at the corners than they were the first time they played. And uh, Jamal Adams, Jamal, whew, that, that guy, he made some plays. That yes, were, he did. Yeah, yes, I mean, he that did. were just down by the goal line. That was the game right there. He chases down Henderson, tackles him, hurts his ankle. Yeah. Okay, and so not only they screw him up for that play, yeah, that kid, he's on IR right now. Yeah. And they're already down on, on backs. And then they, they, the Rams go, I didn't like the play calling there. Now, I know it's always easy to say, Mike, when you get stuffed and – 2020 hindsight and all that, but you can't get a yard in a game like that. I don't know if you deserve to go anywhere. Well, it's, you know, like I said, the, the play of the linebackers it just moved to a different level for, for yeah. the first time this year. Yeah. 
and it's really hurt them. I'm talking about Seattle now and in the goal line. Now they, they were downhill in the back and they stopped them. Now they made some really nice tackles and um, they fit it really nice. Uh, I know the defensive line's getting a, a lot of uh, headaches in terms of, uh, you know, criticism, but those linebackers just haven't been making the plays they need to make. And they did. And this they is the did. first time yeah. that they did that. And it's really showed up in the goal line. Like you said, they were yeah. downhill on them, but here's yeah. the thing about goal line offense anymore. These new wave coaches, all these young guys, uh, everything is a zone. You know, it's an outside zone, inside zone, down around the inside the three to two yard line, right? Right. And that that stuff just doesn't fly. You get knocked back because there's no those DBs are four or five yards off the ball, and you got basically a nine man front there. So you got to be able to run power football. You know, you got to be able to pull guards, knock down double team, and Without double teams down there, you're just not going to survive in the in the running game. And running outside the tight end in the goal line, yeah, that bust left yesterday. That that uh, that always seems really stupid to me down there. There's no time for that, and, and even that, and pulling people, pulling guards and stuff, and all that. I, I never saw to pull a, a guard of the perimeter down there, and uh, you know, there's they're not backing up. The secondary just pulls their trigger and they're they're on it it's too congested you have to run if you're gonna you got to run in between the tackles you just do you know power football leads whatever you got to do uh but the zone stuff and running outside down there is is pretty hard to do that's tough sledding yeah yeah always has been what's that always has been always hasn't changed that's a that's a thing in football that's just yeah unless you get four guys and spread them way out that's the only other thing you could do you know yeah. Hey, going back to the AFC picture now, I know you were smiling uh, when your boy Fitz came in the game for Miami. And, <laughs> Fitzy, and Fitz. what, do they, what do they call it? Fitz magic, right? Fitz magic, yeah. It, it, whatever you call it, it worked, and Brian Flores is looking better and better every week now. Yeah, he's not a relief pitcher, though. He just isn't. Poor kid, he's <laughs> eight different teams. And, you know, the, the, the worst thing he's got going for him is 6-1, he looks like he should probably be selling jewelry down at the mall or something, but he's oh. he's he's just a nondescript looking guy. He's very smart. He's got a beautiful arm. He's accurate. He's everything he wants a quarterback. He just doesn't he's not six four, six five, or run a four four, you know. So all those things yeah. that are kind of in vogue, that's not who he is. Yeah. You know, and it, but all, all he does is just win. He just and he's made bad teams better, but they want something better than him always. And Mike, is he a guy, is he one of those guys that in a situation like he came in against the Raiders, it's a perfect situation because he's going to get the ball out, number one. He's going to get it to the guys that need the ball, whereas maybe Tua was trying to do too much or maybe he wasn't trying to do enough. Maybe it was the pressure of the game. I don't know. You know, he took sacks, but he didn't turn the ball over, so that was good. But Fitz comes in there and like, bam, we go here. Bam, we go. It was almost like a simplification of the, of, of the game right then, and that was just enough to keep them going and move them down the field. Here's what happens with college quarterbacks. They've been taught to look at a defender to read where to throw the football, and when you do that, you're a full count light. Hmm. And the veterans, Great what they point. do is they've got a guy in a zone that they're trying to throw the ball to, and they get their eyes to that spot and let it go. If there's right. color in there, they just don't throw it. They come to number two. Yeah. But they're on the two or three, and if you look at a defender and then look at your receiver, you, you, you're just going to always be late. That's a Cam Newton comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the that's guy that's been around the block that as a, that can anticipate throws, like that last throw that won it, 
He knew where he wanted to throw it. He saw the hole, but the receiver was way back here still. He saw yeah. the hole. He threw it and got his head turned, but he, he let it go long before uh, Tua would have made that. And that's, and that's what Tua has to learn that. And that's not something you just go out and do. I mean, you have to, and that's hard to do that. To teach a guy to anticipate throws and throw it before he sees the receiver in there, you got to make him do that in practice time and time again before they get comfortable with it. Yeah. And then there's a buy-in involved there. And two is not there yet. He's yeah. just not. He wants to see guys a little bit. He'll track them. And until he stops tracking a receiver, it's going to be a tough game for him. Yeah, waiting for that guy to come open. Yes, he yeah, wants like, to see like, him come yeah. open. And yeah. if you see a guy come open, the window's gone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So is, is Brian Flores, to me, feels like he's got to be in that coach of the year conversation. Oh, I think so, yeah. The guy's done a hell of a job down there. With two well, different one, quarterbacks. I think one of the things that's really important is that the personnel that the changes that they made are pretty dynamic over the last two years. Yeah. But yeah. more importantly, the leadership there, they have not fallen off in terms of their intensity when you watch them play. No. They don't have bad days. They can get beat and they can make mistakes and get beat, but you you know, they just keep pounding the rock, waiting for well, they're like crack. Buffalo. They're like Buffalo. Yes. They're, yes. they're they're playing faster now yes. than they played early in the year, which is unfathomable because God, you're starting to get tired this time of year. I mean, you are tired, not starting. You are. But the tired. really the really good teams can see the finish line right in front of them. Oh boy! And the guys are struggling. It looks like it's a long way away. That's and right. I'm not sure they can make it. You know, and yeah, and those guys that those guys that are going to win it right now, they're just catching their stride. And you can see those teams and the, yeah. the guys that want to make it, but just, they're just struggling. You know, they just, yeah. no, they don't know if they can or not, you know, a little, <laughs> a little no, that's, thought he could, you know, that, that's right. That's right. All right, coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more run it again after this message. Courageous is a word that describes America's veterans. Sadly, another word we can use is homeless. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Before, before I jump to, to the, like this, the last part of our, our playoff discussion here, because I want to get in Indianapolis, Cleveland, and, uh, and Baltimore, because those guys are Baltimore all of a sudden just got a resurgence that you're talking about. Uh, let, let me go to, to uh, Washington, and Ron Rivera made a move with Dwayne Haskins. Personally, it, it, I think it, it had to be made. Dwayne just wasn't getting it on the field, off the field. Give me your take on that, Mike. Was it the right move? Was it the wrong move? You know, where does it put them now with Alex Smith not quite ready to get on the field yet? He might get back next week, maybe. If it were me... And this is probably a terrible thing to say, but I'd have made the move before the game. Because what Haskins did, there's no way that that was not going to affect his play. Yeah. There's no way that it wasn't going to affect the psyche of that football team. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would have helped them if they made the changes. I don't know who they have as a backup, but just go play. Right. And the team will rally around you, kind of a thing. But then to go play him after that, and he was as bad as he could possibly be. You he can't sure, play worse he sure than he was. did. He and then sure. at halftime, they interviewed him, and I felt bad for him because uh, he said, well, and they asked him, are you going to make a change of quarterback? He said, well, just see how it goes. At halftime, <laughs> I think he had to make the move. He just didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. 
No, that, that's right. Now, and, that, and the saddest part about that is uh, for Washington is they win that game, they're in. Now that's, they, they got to exactly. go one more week. And when you do that, I think the odds go the other way on you. You know, well, you I think it's a wrap. You got to wrap. They, they need to find, I guess he maybe he was hoping this kid would come around, but he hasn't. He was third at the beginning of the season, went from first to third in a matter of four weeks. He's just not yeah. it. He's just not, he just doesn't get it. And there's nothing you can do to help him. And I wish he had made that change. Anybody's better than him at that point. And the team will rally around whoever you got and they'll do whatever you can, you know. But that that was – and I don't know that Haskins really appreciates what that head coach did for him. He gave him another opportunity yeah, in a big, big game for him to survive. And he kept him in the second half. I'd have never done that. I'd have, In fact, at halftime, I'd have walked him to outside and called the camp and, and uh, sent him to the airport. <laughs> called him an Uber, huh? <laughs> yeah, you, you just <laughs> – Nah, it's gonna happen now. You, you know, he, he's he's everything you don't want in a football player. From a, uh, I guess from an approach and a personality. You know, he just doesn't. Yeah. He's, that lunch pail. He's never seen lunch pail. Yeah, yeah, and that. I mean, that the sad part for them, and that was a game. That was a game at home. Okay, against Ron's former team. Ron Rivera's former team, which you know he wanted to win that one. I mean, the, the, it was a Hollywood script, right? Win that game against the Carolina Panthers to, 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 to wrap up your division, go to the playoffs. You couldn't have written a story any better. And then he drops, they dropped the game. So now, now they got to go to Philly. And, boy, anything can happen there because Philly now with a big win. Uh, you know, so they're feeling pretty good last week. Yeah, it's a toss-up right now. You got Dallas all of a sudden looks like they're they want to be a good team again. You know, all of a sudden Dallas is on no, right. So if they screw this thing up. You know, Dallas could end up winning the thing. So, but. yeah, when you look at the just the results from last week, as you look at all those teams in the NFC East, there uh, the team that played better than all of them was Dallas, probably. You know, in yeah. terms of performance, I mean, they were they had a solid performance everywhere in that game. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were breaking down that film last night. They beat up on that corner uh, that that. The Eagles had you know, free agent kid. They kind of threw him out there. The, of course, my, the media drummed it up a little more than it was. They, they, they made it seem like every play he got beat in uh, was man coverage, and it wasn't. You know, he, there was some, some other breakdowns going on. But, you know, that, that's the way it goes. That, that's a talented receiving core, at least um, you know, physically. Oh, no question. They, they, right. And, and they, just, they just have had trouble getting them the ball, and, and you can't. You can't go out there deficient technically, which that kid was, and, and survive that, not in this league. So I've seen it happen too many times, as you know, as a corner. Yeah. Once you get beat, they're going to make you prove that you can cover it. And they well, just keep yeah. storming the gates until you can prove that, okay, I got this, you know. And if you yeah. don't, they're going to wear you out. And, Mike, they, they went after him. We counted this. They went after him with, with Gallup. The first on first down of every series in the first quarter, except for maybe one. Yeah, I mean, you could see it on the on the play breakdown sheet. You know, deep pass to Gallup, complete. Yeah. Short yeah. pass to Gallup, incomplete. Deep pass to Gallup, complete. Yeah, it, so it was clear that they were just going to keep throwing at him, throwing at him. They're going to pi, or we're going to get a catch in a play. Right. That's that's what they that's what they thought. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's – you do that uh, in your uh, – that week of preparation, 
you find yeah. a guy that that's weak and if they don't help him, then you isolate him and you just go to work on him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. No, and that's, they, that's they, right. they couldn't get him help and you can get into cover three, but that doesn't really help you. Yeah. yeah you know, that's right. it really doesn't. Cause now he's just turning and running and they complete everything underneath him then, you know? So, yeah. you know, you gotta, you know, the, you roll it to him or you got to do something to you, you, know, you trap, you do whatever you can do to help him, but he didn't get any help. Yeah. So Cleveland, Indy, those are my two teams that, that I like, I like a lot. And I, the first half of the, the Indianapolis Pittsburgh game, I'm thinking, wow, boy, Indy's really looking good. All that bad stuff they said about uh, rivers, you know, bite your tongue, take that back. You know, this guy, he just needed a home and a place to, to go and, and a good coach and, and all that. Then the second half came around, Mike, and I saw the, the DB, the corner for Indy. You're up 24 to 7, I believe it was. So there's only one thing that can get you in trouble, and this kid let what can get you in trouble get him in trouble. He gave up a deep bomb for a touchdown. I, I don't understand it. I have never understood it. I didn't play that way. Uh, yes, I am being critical because I didn't play that way. Because there's only one play that can uh, get their momentum back, and he gave it up. And, and, and I don't think Indianapolis ever really recovered after that. And all of a sudden, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, they got their mojo back. But you know what? At the end of the game, Rivers had a chance. First down, first and yeah. ten. Yeah. And he threw a deep post route. He, the, the receiver was trapped by the safety in the corner. They squeezed him off. Uh, they outran the receiver. There was no place to go with the ball, and he threw the pick on first down. Yeah. And yeah. and there were plenty of places to go. I don't know why he made that throw, because the, the pre-snap look, and then when he came away, that safety didn't waver. He was back. I don't know what he thought that would, uh, was going to happen with yeah. that. I mean, both yeah. the core and the safety stayed so deep, he had no chance with the throw, and yet he threw it. On. And it was first and 10 with a couple – with a, what was it, a minute some or two well, minutes to go in the game? Yeah. And, you know, right there they had a chance to win it. And I thought, I've never seen him do that. And I, I was really taken back by that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't – strange things happen to guys in playoffs – not playoffs, but, you know, pressure situations. Again, I, and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, I like Pittsburgh. They do some things well, but they didn't look good in that first half. And I, no. I thought, you know, so. Um, Cleveland. Cleveland gets on the plane. They're about to take off. And they stop the plane because they all of a sudden get a COVID alert and they've got a contract traced back a guy on the team. And it ends up being that X amount of uh, receivers, like their entire starting receiving core doesn't get on the plane, including Higgins, including uh, Landry. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm sure that uh, Baker Mayfield was sitting in that meeting that night, <laughs> kind of looking around like Laurel and Hardy <laughs> You know, this team, when they had to run guys, you know, they had to run any backs. They got the hunt and, and, and they had uh, Chubb. So I'm sure they thought, well, we'll just go in here to the Jets because they're still the Jets and we'll, we'll ground and pound them and, and it'll be okay. Didn't work pro- out that yeah, way. the only problem is that they're not the Jets that were playing uh, six weeks ago, you know. They've gotten a lot of people <laughs> As back. you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. they got three receivers back and – you yeah. know, they fired the defensive coordinator that was taking all those chances, and they're playing solid defense, you know, yeah. real solid defense. And yeah, they were so complicated on defense. That's his system. And they had all these bizarre blitzes and this, that, and the other thing, as you know. And 
They, yeah. they simplified the defense, let them play, and, and offensively, they've gotten better now. They got, they've gotten healthy again, yeah. and that's the result of it. Yeah, they look fast on defense. They look fast and tenacious, and you're, you're right, thinking. Mike. This isn't the same team, and you no. said it last week about the Rams. Don't lose twice to the Jets, and that's exactly what the Rams did. They lost they twice did. to the Jets. Yeah, they were still looking at wounds from that loss, and, and yeah. you could see it. They just were not energized when they went up there. Yeah. You know, to go into Seattle, the way you beat Seattle in Seattle, you got to call it your home stadium. This is your second home away from home, you know, and it's, yeah. you, I don't know, it just, they just were flat. How you can be flat, you know, I don't know, but they were. But anyway, the Jets have really made a resurgence here. I'm really happy for them. Um, I think that that's a good indication when you get healthy and you get your guys back, the difference it makes in a football team. And I think they were too complicated on defense. They really were. And when guys on defense are playing fast, it's because they're sure of their assignments and their reads and they can pull the trigger and go to the ball, you know? Yeah. And they're tackling well, they didn't tackle well. They're, you know, just when you're real complicated on defense, all those fits in the running game and the spots to get to in coverages and the switching off in man and all that stuff, there's so much going on. You got to think if you have to think to play defense, you're not going to play well. Yeah, no, that's right. You okay, have to so react because Bal- you know it so well. Well, exactly. Right, right. So Baltimore now, they've come back up the ladder. You know, seemingly people at one point thought they were done. They couldn't get together. The quarterback had COVID, this and that. But now they're hanging there at, at 10 and 5, and the Browns are at 10 and 5. And so the Browns are thinking, well, what the hell's going on? Now, no matter how well they try to play, they're they're in third spot in the AFC North by Pittsburgh, who's who's uh you know wrapped up the playoffs, okay, clinched the division. So now it's a fight for the wild card spot. And yeah. all the records are good. Like I said, 10 and 5 is just average seemingly in the AFC for wild cards. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I think um I do think that they're the best of the rest. And because they're the most complete team, you know, uh, they, I think they challenge you more on offense with the, both the running game and the passing game. They can control the game a little bit better. Yeah. I think defensively, they're probably a little bit better, but yeah. we'll see, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen with that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and we got to see now what happens with the AFC South, Tennessee, Indianapolis, you know, Tennessee goes up to green Bay, green Bay, green Bay looked good. Green Bay had that, that good old cold weather going. And whether you believe it or not, it, it it seems to have an effect on the game. I don't know. I, I saw uh, Henry trying to get going, and he got going a couple times. But but Rogers is just – they put Rogers' numbers up. And, Mike, I thought it was a typo. I thought 83%. It was yeah. I, I'm serious. <laughs> I said, that can't be right. They missed they, – they added a zero there. They missed the number, moved the decimal point. Something's not right. Is he that good statistically right now? Mm-hmm. He is. He's the MVP of the league, I think. So, and he he's kind of done it quietly. Um, but I think the most impressive thing to me about Green Bay was defensively, they showed up big. I mean, um, the quarterback he he was below fifty percent, wasn't he, for the day? Um, oh, ten, yeah, Tannehill. Tannehill yeah, Tannehill, yeah. and they shut down the the run to, uh, to speak of. And here's the thing that Green Bay does that I like to do: they got on top early. They went after him, got some scores. And now if you if you have a strong running game, 
you have a tendency to leave that to play catch up. And that's not what they do. Yeah. It, you know, Tennessee is not a good come from behind catch up. You know, they want to pound you and grind you and play action pass and kind of like what the Rams do. Neither one of those teams can chase a score. They're just not good at doing it. They just don't have that kind of offense. Yeah. Well, I knew they had to stop uh, Henry. And the thing is that defense, Mike, they, they haven't been playing great. Uh, Mike Pettin, the, the defensive coordinator, you know, there's been a lot of heat on him and there's been a lot of talk about, okay, he, he may not be here after this year and so on and so forth. And I don't see the Smith, the Smith guys on defense, Preston and Zadarius playing like they played a couple couple years ago. But I, I think the bottom line is when you've got a quarterback like that, and yeah, they held they held Derrick Henry under hundred. He had he had hundred, he had ninety-eight, so I'm gonna call that hundred. But but I think it was a quiet one hundred, if that's possible. They didn't have any touchdowns. They held him under five point uh, five yards a carry, which he's he's his his uh, year mark is over five a carry. So, and you do that and you don't have any explosion plays on the outside, you know, in that kind of weather and that kind of situation, it's hard to lose a game if you're Green Bay. And Tannehill just, he's never been a cold weather quarterback. You go back and look at him when he's in Miami and, yeah. you know, he played up north and all that. His numbers are abysmal. And, and that's in the back of his mind, I'm sure. And um, there's no real reason for it because they both practice indoors, you know, um, I know Rodgers isn't practicing out in zero degrees to get ready for the game. So, yeah. uh, you know, they're just prepared for it. You know, it's not a big deal to them. But I've always said when you go to play in the rain or the snow and you talk all week about dealing with the weather, it becomes an issue for your players. And that's what they, that's what they get engrossed in instead of the game itself. Yeah. Okay, so what happens to Rodgers at the end of this year? Uh, let, let's just say – I don't know. Okay, let, let's, let's just take it the best-case scenario. Let's say they go to the Super Bowl. Is he still out of there at the end of the year? I would think that they'll do everything they can to keep him at this point. But I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, you know. And I don't know if he wants to be there. He's never said one way or the other, which is it's smart on his part. He's not showing his hand. He's not talking about it. He won't say anything about it. It's a love fest within the, in the announcing booth. You know, oh, at the know. beginning of the year, remember they said they kept talking about the division between the, you know, the head coach and the quarterback and how's this going to pan out? They're not going to be any good. And all of a sudden, ah, oh, they love each other. Look at, you know, it's like Matt Flores, yeah. he loves the offense now and he's a different guy. And, you know, that was always there. Yeah. That just didn't happen overnight. I mean, that's always been there. Well, they've clinched the division. They're in the playoffs. Uh, they don't have home field yet. They haven't wrapped it yet. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's key for them. Chicago he, didn't go away. No, they're, and they are the, they're the one NFC team that's sprinting to the finish line. They're in a full sprint right now. Yeah. This will be a huge, huge final game of the season. Green Bay at the bears. That's a yeah. huge game. That's the game of the week. That's the game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, so where did this come from? Because it's it's Mitch Trubisky, and I know there's some Bear fans that when I say that name, they cringe, but it's hard to cringe right now because they're playing well. Well, it's, anytime you sit a quarterback down, whether it's a Fitzpatrick, for whatever reason, when you sit a quarterback down, that's a good player. They just become different guys. Yeah. They, they become refocused. The stuff that was bothering before goes away. And they get kind of angry. 
And they know that those opportunities aren't going to come along very often. If they get another one, they got to make the most of it. And you make that decision. It happens throughout the league often. It just does. And so I think he's trying to make the most of it before he was playing like Wentz played, you know, kind of deer in the headlights, you know, just trying not to screw up instead of just playing, you know, and I've had quarterbacks like that in college too. You've got to bench them for a while and then they, they become different guys. Yeah. Okay. So that game, that game is in Chicago and man, I, I, I grew up on this game. I remember the first time we played the bears, I was talking to dad on the phone. He just burst out laughing. And I said, what's so funny? You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go into the midway, right? <laughs> and they're still pretty good over there. And Ditka's over there. And uh, he said, I'm laughing because, son, this is the, the greatest game in America to play. This is what it's all about. They're going to call football. you every name in the book when you come down the tunnel. This he is said, like, here now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> like they called me every name in the book. And you know what? You're going to have fun and enjoy it. You know, and I did. I did. I didn't feel that way at the time because, you know, I'm, I'm a player and I'm a young player and I'm caught up in the shit. I got to deal with Willie Galt. I got to deal with, you know, this guy and this guy and all that. So but he was looking at it from a, a, a purist standpoint, a football guy standpoint, I guess. Yeah, of all the stadiums I've coached in the NFL, all the places I've, I've been coaching, that's by far the best spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's football. They just they love football. It's like Buffalo, I guess. You know, Green Bay, I'm sure, is the same. But it's just the tr- rich tradition of Soldier Field, downtown <laughs> Chicago, Dick oh. Butkus. You know, come on, you know. It just does It's just a, you go back and, and you go in that wow. building, all those football pictures where there's, you know, no face masks. It's just a leather helmets all the way up, you know. And just the, yeah. the tradition of it. And the, and the fans there, they're lunatics about their football team. They don't care. If they if it's if they haven't won a game all year, this is like the Super Bowl when you play the Packers. This is a this is a big time slugfest. I love this game. I love I loved being part of this game. It is, it is, man. It it, it was uh I tell you, Mike, it's uh remember you said you had that little uh goodbye wave from the Buffalo family when you <laughs> <Yeah>. guys <laughs> Well we, I got one of those in, in Chicago, man, walking out in the field. This is my first time at Soldier Field, right? So, you know, now I I'm, I got the Packer helmet on. I got I got the name on the back of the jersey says Pitt, so I know they're ready to unload on my ass. Yep. So, I, we're 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 getting ready to run out, and this guy, I mean, it looked like something out of uh, National Lampoon. He leans over with a big cup of something, and he says, "Hey, Pitts, your old man was a great one, but you ain't." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just working that intimidation from the I was like, hey thank you thank yeah. you appreciate the support bro <laughs> i told you about my uh we went to buffalo and we actually we won the game this one's at san francisco yeah and yeah. it was late at night and we're we, a sunday night game we pull out of there in the bus and the parking lot is now we were late getting out of there the parking lot's still full and there's snow and everything and this couple come over with their, I guess, probably nine-year-old and five-year-old boy yeah. and girl. And uh, she she came running over like, hey, stop, stop. Well, we were going to stop and go traffic. So the bus had stopped. So she turned and called her husband over and the two kids. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm looking at I'm thinking to myself, well, this is kind of nice. You know, this, you know, they love football. They're giving you respect and all that kind of stuff. And 
And then they all four of them at the same time turned around, dropped their britches, and bent over and gave us the <sighs> proverbial camera. You know, <laughs> the, the instamatic, they brought the instamatic, you know. If you would have told only me, in Buffalo. Only, only I was gonna say if you had told me that was any other city, I would say, wow. But yeah. Buffalo is like standard. standard. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, but, but but you're right now. They they've got it rolling up there, man. And it's uh, you know, all all of the guys I played with there, uh, Andre Reed and 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 Thurman and uh, all those guys, man, they're they're all starting to to reconnect and get back into it. And it's, it's, it's about, it's about the team, but it's about their quarterback. And he's, he's got yeah. some, some, he's about to break all of the quarterback records there that Jim yeah. Kelly and, and, and Joe Ferguson and some of the other great quarterbacks, Jack Kemp, you know, set there. So it's, um, you know, they win this one. They win it all. They'll change the yeah. name of Buffalo to Allentown, you know. Allentown, right. It'll be two Allentowns Allentown in the area. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Allentown, PA, and Allentown, New York over there. Yeah. But they're living right. under a star. Yeah. They're playing special, and that's God bless them. That's yep. good to see. Yep. All right, man, I'm going to let you get back to uh, – did your fire go out? No, there it is. Yeah, get out of the way, Mike. I don't see your fireplace. That's you. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, you All have right. a happy new year. That's Thank it you. for this week. And uh, you guys enjoy up there. It looks beautiful. I know you're going to have a good time. Tell Julie I said hello. Will do. Thanks, All Ryan. Right. Talk to you later. Okay. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or the coach? Just send us an email at runitagainpod.com at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at run it again pod be sure to join us next wednesday as we answer some of those email and social media questions and we'll discuss the nfl playoff picture don't forget to visit us at run it again podcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button remember we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.